talking about community, it seemed appropriate as we enter into the new year to, to think about our life together into this new year and to think about uh, community, what it means to be God's uh, community. Last week we talked uh, from John uh, 17 just about the importance of the fact that God invites us into the same community that Jesus and the Father share. And so we're not just invited into a, well, it's a nice little group of people and it's wonderful, but into a deeper fellowship with God in which the church gets to be a participant, both as individuals, each of us individually, but also corporately uh, together. And that is a, uh, a place in which God shares his glory, the sum of all that he is, his beauty, his majesty, all the things that we would look at and say, that's magnificent, that's incredible. God invites us into that kind of community with Him. But the reality is that's not just it's not just enough to, to say, okay, isn't that wonderful? We're invited in this community, and isn't that great? But you you have to actually live it, don't you? <laughs> you know, you can't just say these words. But community is really about living how we live together uh, as God's people, how we actually do it um, together. What's our motivation? Why? Why do we live in community? What do we do with that? And the big issues with community, whether we're a small one or, or a big community, is, is for us a cute issue is, is volunteers. How, how do we uh, do the things that we do on a Sunday morning? And as I did last week, I want to back into that issue. Because the, the issue of volunteering or, or allowing a church like All Nation Church to function isn't about just finding volunteers and signing people up and making sure jobs and things are done. Uh, if that was the issue, then my suggestion is we just have a nice service and close the doors and say, you know, you could volunteer a lot of different places. But to me, and I think in the scriptures, the way we serve each other, both in this place and outside, is a reflection of the service that God has given to us and to each other. As we'll talk about when we go through this, is we never actually do anything, uh, God never asks us to do anything that he hasn't done for us first. So he, he doesn't say, I want you to be creative and, and do something that you've never experienced. He says, no, I want you to experience the kind of community that, that, that I have with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I want, we want you to be a part of that together and with each other. Maybe it's easier to kind of set this with, with a question um, that I don't want you to answer out loud, but answer in your head, especially if you're a regular tender to all nations. But if you've been to other churches, you'll be able to answer this for your experience there. Um, when you come to a church and you, you leave at the end of a church service, I'm sure there are all kinds of questions or thoughts that may enter in, but, but I wonder if which of these thoughts is more predominant in your mind and my mind. I wonder as we leave, do we ask the question like this, what did I get out of coming to the worship service today? What did I get? Or if we ask the question more like this, what was I able to give to God, to people, to the hotel staff who happened to be here by coming to this worship service today? Do we leave asking, what did I get? Or do we leave asking, what, what did I give? Because... As unusual as it may seem to the way we typically think about church and life, worship is actually about giving. We worship God, and by worshiping, we give to him what uh, the honor, the praise that we believe that he is worthy of. And by that, actually, we get something back. 
It's wonderful. It's filling to our soul, but that's not the reason we do it, so that we can get something. We do it because we have been given so much, we want to give it. I don't know about you, but I know that one of those questions is a much more natural question for me to ask at the end of the service. What did I get? How did it benefit me? Was it a good service, bad service? Sermon? Yeah. Music? Yeah. Book table? You know, coffee? Was your early, strong, weak, whatever? You know, all kinds of things that we start to evaluate. And we evaluate, actually, what we're really doing is we're, we have a consumer relationship, don't we, with our church. We look at it and say, well, how was my experience? Just as if I went to Cactus and said, how was my experience? Or I went out to a restaurant. How was the service? How, how was my experience? And to be honest, there are certain places and levels that that's appropriate. If you go to a restaurant, it is appropriate to say, I'm paying money. What's my experience? Because I came here to have a consumer relationship. But the church is a very different place. Not because uh, we set it up, but because God set it up to be a very different kind of place. Not that we don't care about what we receive, but where we care more. That our, our first focus is, what can I give? That's the motivation that God asks us to have. But I don't know about you, but I know this about me, is that does not come naturally to me. I don't typically get up every morning and say, I wonder how I can serve others today. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I oftentimes wake up in the morning and think, I wonder, you know, what will be done for me today by other people. It's a very natural human thing to do. And only by our interacting with God, And seeing what he has done for us, do we start to change that mentality from being a consumer to a follower of Jesus Christ? And that's the difference. The difference isn't just being a consumer or a not consumer, but for a Christian to be a consumer or be a follower of Jesus Christ. Those are the options. And Philippians 2 is an incredible passage that has some some of the most beautiful challenging, amazing theology, words about God of any place in the New Testament. And, I, and I'm just going to say from the beginning is we're going to pass much of the beauty and the greatness of it up um, because I want to make this very practical. I want to say, I want to ask from this passage and pull out three things that are the motivation. What is our motivation from this passage that we can take to changing our mindset from a consumer mentality really about, not just about church, but about life, to a follower of Jesus mentality. How do we, what's the motivation? How does that happen from within? The first two verses of this uh, talk about this. It it says, is there any? Ask, is there any in four different areas? Is there any encouragement that you have from being connected to Jesus Christ? Is there any comfort that you have from from his love? Is there any, any sense of joy from the fellowship? that you have from him? And is there any tender compassion from Jesus Christ? Now, some of you may be going, I don't know. But I know that many of us who have asked Christ into our life and have sought to follow him say, absolutely. Is there any? Are you kidding? There's a huge amount of comfort and love and fellowship, compassion that I receive from being in Christ. And Paul says, if that's the case... If you have been given wonderfully and greatly by God, then God invites you to turn around and give those things back. Those are the resources by which you not only know Christ, but now you're able to serve Christ 
in this world. Turn around and give those things away. And the great thing about God, I don't know if you, if you know this, but the great thing about God is if he gives you something and you give it away, guess what? More comes. Now, I'm not saying that that happens in every year, okay? I know there's some <clears throat> theological perspectives that, that say, you know, if you give God 100 euros and he's got to give you 200 euros, I don't think it always works that way, okay? So if you want to try that, feel free. But, uh, but you were warned here, you know? Um, God may give to you in a whole bunch of different ways. It doesn't happen to come in a euro bill. And it's up to him to decide how to do that. But here's the reality. He says, you know what? You cannot outgive me. You cannot be more generous than I am. And not just in terms of money, but in terms of your time, in terms of your life, in terms of service. And Paul is saying to the church here, to the Philippian church, which is really struggling, because they're having a lot of pressure because they're Christians. He is saying to them, you know what? Hold together. Remember Look back and remember all that God has given to you. The love, the encouragement, fellowship, what you've gained since you've come into this life with God. And use that as you are going to be called to give to other people and give to one another. Give, serve, love. He says to us this, you know, what you've been given in Christ can never be taken away. And it only gets better and better and better. There only becomes more and more and more of it. So don't forget what you've been given. And that's an important motivation because oftentimes when we wake up in the morning or we go through a day and we feel like people haven't done for us what we deserve or we didn't get what we want or they didn't perform up to our standards or whatever, we've forgotten that we've been given so much. See, we think people need to give us because we lack And what Paul is saying here to the church is you don't lack at all. You've been given wonderfully and generously by God, and he's promised to protect and provide for you to the end of your days, physically and into eternity. You've been given a lot. Don't forget that. And I don't know about you, but I know sometimes in my life I I have to sit down and think about what I've been given. Because I, I don't know, for me, it's very easy to see what I don't have that I want. Maybe that's just the only, only person here. But there, it's easy for me to see, I don't have this. I want this. I'm, this. I'm not there yet with this, and I want this. But I have to work. I have to stop. I have to push myself to ask, what do I really have? And how valuable is that really? And if I lost it, how sad would that be? And when I do that, you know, I often say, you know what? I'm incredibly rich. Maybe not in money, but in some other things that really, really matter. I'm rich. And God says one of the motivations that you're to have as you turn from being a consumer to a follower of Christ is the richness that you experience because of God and the community he's put you in. The second thing that that Paul tells this, uh, this community is this is don't just think about what you've received, although that's important, but think about other people. Think about the other people around you. Think about them. Think about what, what do they need. Uh, you know, think about other people and say, what do people have to offer um, this community or, or me or those around? Not in, not in a coveting way, like I wish I had that, or in a, a way of trying to squeeze something out of them, you know, to get from them because that's the wrong motivation, but to realize there's a lot of wonderfully gifted people, intelligent, caring, compassionate, 
with lots of different skills. Appreciate what they have to offer and not just what you have to offer. And then think about what's in the best interests of other people or for the people that are here that, that are present for their family um, that maybe are, are off in a, in a different room or of the people that will one day be here but that are not here right now. Think about what's best for them. See, again, we think very quickly and very easily about what's a benefit to me, don't we? But we have to work into what's, what do you need? What do those around you need? That's a tough thing. You know, I, I wonder for us, you know, how well we know what the needs are of the person in the row behind us. Or if you're in the back, the person in the row in front of you. What are their needs? How could you benefit them? How does your life enhance their life? Because, see, God hasn't called us to be a community of people who just kind of show up and take a seat and have a cup of coffee and have a nice glancing, hi, how are you? Good, how are you? How's your life? Great, even though it's not. You know, he doesn't call us to be that kind of community. He calls us to be kind of, kind of people who actually get to know each other and actually care about each other and actually find out what the hurts and the joys are and actually pray. And actually say, is there something I can do? Now, I know there's a limited amount of life and a limited amount of time and a limited amount of things we can do. But let's not just think about our limits. Let's think about, is there a small thing that I can do? A way that I can serve others? Because when I do, and I turn my eyes away from myself, and I turn my eyes upon you and your needs... A couple of things happen. One, I can do something really beneficial to you, for you. And I tell you what, usually that feels really good. And the other thing that happens is, you know, when I get to know you, um, and probably the same when you get to know me, I find I prefer my problems a lot more to your problems. You know? And I know those problems are not so bad. I mean, I, I, I'm not wanting to keep them, but I wouldn't trade. You know what I mean? And so as we get to know the people, we realize there is no perfect life. That life is full of challenges and, and times and ways we have to grow. But when we see other people and we see their needs and we start to meet those needs, changes start to happen in us. You know, in our Constitution and in our membership class, we talk about investing in the lives of people, the uh, giving of our times and talents and our treasures. And that's what we ask. Those people who come, become members of the church, we say, how are you going to invest your time, your talents, and your treasures? Uh, the time that you have, the, the talents, the abilities that you have, the treasures, and we don't just mean by that money, but other, other treasures, other things that are precious to you, how are you going to invest that in those around you, in the life of the church, for the benefit of others? Because that's what God wants us to do. You know, God didn't look at you and me and say to us, hmm, what a wreck. What, what's the minimum I can do? to help them a little bit. He didn't do that. He didn't say, how, how can I just fix them for, like, today? And just, you know, and we'll, we'll work on the problems. But, you know what? God looked at us, and he said, I'm going to send my best. I'm going to give my all. And that's what the Philippians passage talks about. And that's the, the motivation is to look at Jesus, who, was, who held the highest position, who was in heaven with the Father, sharing perfect joy and glory, everything that you could hope for, and they gave it up and came to earth and gave it up and lived basically a, a life of poverty 
and then gave it up by, um, by giving his life, and then ultimately gave it up by giving his life in the worst, most awful way possible, death on the cross. He humbled himself. And then you come down, and then you start to go at the God exalted him to the highest place because that's the way to live. That's how success comes. And you won't, you won't read this for the most part in, in most of the books um, that are out there, and uh, you won't hear a lot of speakers talk about it, but success comes from giving. That's what Jesus said. Giving what you have for the benefit of other people. He staked his life on it. That success comes from giving our life, however we can, for the benefit of other people. And I don't mean by that to pour out your life in such a way that you never have time for your family or your friends or other things. I'm not asking for that kind of sacrifice. But that you say, what are the needs and how can I help? Both within the life of the church and in the life of other people. You know, at All Nations Church, um, you, can, you can come uh, as a consumer and, and be a participant in the growth, but, you know, you, you probably won't find it a place where you enjoy for staying for two or three years and living a life of consuming. For, for a couple of re- different reasons. One, you, you'll find that some of the relationships that you have are, are fairly shallow because um, it's just coming and showing up, coming and showing up, coming and going. <laughs> But the other thing is, as you serve and give to others, you'll, you'll make connections. You'll make relationships. You'll make friends. You, you know, there are people here that have come from different countries, and when they leave, you know what? Some of the best friends they're going to have for the next 20 years are in this room. In a completely foreign country that they never expected. Why? Because they got thrown together. And, and they, they served, and they got to know each other, and they broke down some of the barriers, and they go, you know what? I mean, I've got friends everywhere, but those people back there, we still keep in touch. We still care about each other because there's a community that was formed, and God wants us to have that. That's what a follower of Christ has because they give for the benefit of others. The key to all this, the pastor says, is this is be like Jesus. You know, it says basically consider what Christ did. Be like him. He had everything, and he gave it away. He didn't try to hold on to it. And because of that, God exalted him, and look what he accomplished the rescue and the restoration of humanity and of the world for the glory of God. The other key to all this is this, is to wake up. To wake up before the crowd around us because there's a little passage, a little phrase in here that says, and and I know this seems for many people and maybe to you very arrogant, and um, I can't fix that for you. Uh, it says this, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And I don't think by that that the Bible is saying that one day God is going to force everyone to, to acknowledge this. I think what that says is this, is one day when Jesus is revealed for who he is and what he's done, that's all we can say. Jesus is Lord. And that Lord means that he, I give him my allegiance, that I, I follow him. That um, I, I serve, uh, you know, I'm dependent upon him, I trust in him, I b- obey, I follow, I listen. He has my allegiance. And so here's what I say, get ahead of the crowd. Okay, one day everyone's going to do this. Guess what, you and I get to do it now. We get to do it now. We know that Jesus is the Lord. 
over all. We have experienced him giving up everything so that we could benefit greatly. And he says this. The Father has given so much. I have given so much for you. Come follow us. Use your life as a way to give. And not just as a way to get. The path to success is through giving. And giving. And not being overly concerned about ourselves, but wondering how has God made me in such a way so I can give to others and they can benefit. Jesus did not think about this world and come here and say, how can I get everything I can out of this world? Jesus came into this world and said, how can I give all that I can to rescue this world? And he invites us to come with him. A few questions maybe to get you thinking that will maybe help you in, in the future as you, as you kind of work through this and as we talk about this, hopefully amongst ourselves. But, but the first one is this, is what's your life mission? I didn't ask you what your work mission or your work goals or your family goals. I asked you, what is your life mission? What is your life, what is my life all about? My guess is that most of us have never really thought about that question in that way. What? What's my life's mission? Or answer the question, why am I here? <laughs> Most of us look in the mirror sometimes and go, I don't know. And God says, you know what? Come follow me. I'll show you why you're here. I, I, God has a, mission, a life mission for you and for me. And you know what? Over time and in community and through his word and through his spirit, he helps us figure out what that is. And we find that, that our abilities complement with other people's abilities. And we start to say, hopefully over time, I am living the mission God gave me. And by the way, your life mission may, may be the same as your profession. But you know what? Oftentimes it's not. Sometimes your profession is how you make a living, not how you make a life. And when we confuse that, we can be extremely successful and very depressed. Very good at what we do, very bad at living life. What's your life mission? If you don't know, guess what? Most of the other people don't know either. It's okay. But we're never going to figure it out until we start saying, I'm not quite sure. What's your life mission? What do you think you're about? Until maybe we get a chance to talk and we get to think about what are some of the things that you've done in your life that, that have helped you, that, that have helped other people, that you really have a sense of, man, that was wonderful, that maybe nobody noticed but you know. What's your life mission? And if you don't know it, if you don't have a sense of it, then don't waste another month or another year or another decade not pursuing it, not trying to figure out what it is. Second question is this, if ANCL is your church home, and that means if you're new or a visitor, uh, this question isn't to you, but, but to those of us who normally come here, how are your time, talents, and treasures showing up in the lives and the needs of this community? Because God is going to grow you in the midst of these people. That's why you're here. And they're going to grow these people with your presence. You know, service might cost you. In fact, service will cost you. If, if you're on the setup team, and by the way, we need people to help with setup, um, it might cost you a little bit of sleep. Now, I did notice from the raising of hands before, there are some people that get up early anyway. So you actually don't lose any sleep. Um, you can come and help set up. And typically, it's one, it's one Sunday a month um, or less. But it makes a huge difference because, you know, when, when other people come, it's all ready for them. It doesn't magically happen. Somebody comes. A few people come to make that happen. 
Maybe it's the coffee team. Maybe you want to serve in the coffee team. And, and I think most of us appreciate coming and having something hot here. Uh, sometimes there's incredibly wonderful sweets over there as well. But, but there's need for, for people to help with that, to make this a community. Children's ministry, um, they need more people uh, for, uh, for the sound. There's a need for more people to help with sound. There are a lot of different places in ways, you know, and again, that's what this sheet is for, is to give you a way to, to connect and to be a part of the life of the church. Will it cost you? Yes, it will. But that doesn't mean it can't be the most enriching part of your being an all-nation church. Because if you set up, you get, you get to hang around. You get coffee early. You get to hang around and meet some people. If you help with Sunday school, you know, you, you get to be with these kids and you miss a few songs and a few sermons, but you can get them on the website anyway um, if you want. And, you know, and you get to interact with these kids. If you help with the youth, you get to find out that, you know what, all the truth you thought was so important isn't connecting with these kids, and you get to figure out, okay, what really does connect? What is really important? There's all kinds of ways that you'll benefit when you serve. Maybe you're wondering, well, okay, where can I best serve? And you know what? The best thing to do is to find out, to know yourself. Ask others. Ask me. I'll help you kind of figure out what might be a good place to, to serve. You know, try different things. Do something for a while and do, do something else. Um, if it's not the right fit, that's okay. You're, you're never locked in here in terms of serving someplace. And it's best to be led by God and spiritually wise people to let them help you evaluate what's beneficial for you. If you don't know some spiritually wise people, you know, come talk to me. I'll point them out so they can benefit you. The last question is maybe the most important question. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? You know, God wants to move us from being a consumer to being a follower, to, to being able to enjoy life the way he made it, to be able to give so that even as we fall down a little bit tired at night, we go, you know what? That was hard. But that was good. And somebody is benefited from what I did today. There's incredible joy in that sense of helping other people out. You waiting for an invitation? I invite you to participate in the life of All Nations Church, to consider being to consider the blessings that Christ has given you, to consider the needs around you, both inside and outside of All Nations Church, to consider that success doesn't come from getting what you want, but from giving what you have to other people, and to consider that you have an opportunity to have a head start, to say to Jesus, you are my Lord. I will follow you. Lead me, and I'll go. I'll be very honest with you. We need your service here at All Nations Church. But I want to be prophetic to you as well, is you need to serve a lot more than we need your service. That's the way God made it. But let's follow him together. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, there is so much in this passage, so much left for other times. But as we think about it, at the core of it is Jesus, who didn't come to get, but came to give. And the people in this room have been wonderfully benefited by the life of Christ. What he has done, the forgiveness he has offered, 
the invitation to to come and to be forgiven, to be released from the pains, the barriers, the sins of the past, and to come into a new life. And then to draw us into a community where we can know each other and grow with each other and serve each other, and to be in a world where we're never lacking for need, never lacking for an opportunity to help, just struggling with how and where and when to rest. Thank you so much, Lord, that you walk with us in this life. And you've given us people around us and you've given us your word and your spirit so that we're not alone. Help us to be a community that reflects you, that loves you, and that serves each other for your glory and because you have been so, so good to us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.